0: Welcome to another Growth Masters Federal Podcast on growing your business in the federal sector. Your host is Shirley Collier, President and Founder of Scale to Market. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and prosper in the federal marketplace by developing and executing customized, comprehensive, data-driven business development playbooks. Although we have previously touched on shaping procurements and more specifically on pre-solicitation communications between contractors and contracting officers, the subject deserves special attention and a special type of presentation. This communication process is undoubtedly one of the most important elements in successful federal sector sales. It's called for in the FARs and encouraged by purchasing offices across the government. However, very few small businesses do it well or at all, and those that attempt it are often rebutted and indeed ignored by contracting officers. Many become frustrated at their lack of success and give up trying, while those that understand how it works and the rules of the road leverage it consistently to win contracts and expand their footprint in client agencies. Shirley's guest today brings years of experience as a government buyer and contracting officer to the discussion, and the presentation has more of a seminar feel with role-playing and very specific detailed explanations of issues, policies, procedures, and protocols so that we can maximize the value you gain from taking the time to listen. Dottie Romo has recently ended her government service to form KD8 Consulting, and now helps companies navigate the federal procurement process with inside knowledge of how the system operates. Enjoy the
1: podcast. Hello, Shirley here. The purpose of today's discussion is to clear up misunderstandings on the part of government contractors and government personnel alike on what the FAR allows, encourages, and disallows regarding pre-solicitation communications. My very special guest today is Dottie Romo, founder and CEO of KD8 Consulting. Welcome, Dottie.
2: Thank you, Shirley. It's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Dottie, tell the audience a little about your background.
2: I've spent the last 16 years working with the federal government to buy goods and services from industry. I have done this as a warranted federal contracting officer and a contractor. In my career, I have awarded thousands of contracts and reviewed millions of proposals. I have sat as the source selection chair and as a technical evaluator. I love the entire procurement process, and I enjoy teaching and helping others navigate the federal buying process.
1: Today, we're going to be discussing what the federal regulations really say about pre-solicitation communications between government decision makers and influencers, such as program offices, small business offices, and regulatory agencies, and industry. We'll discuss the framework for success, and we'll role-play some scenarios where Dottie will represent government, and I'll represent industry. There are many misunderstandings by contractors and and federal employees involved in the acquisition process about how to engage in legal, ethical pre-solicitation communications with one another, beginning with the fact that it is possible, legal, and actually encouraged by the FAR or the federal acquisition regulations. Dottie and I give talks frequently to clear up some of these misunderstandings so both contractors and the federal government can benefit from enhanced communications as envisioned by the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, or OFPP, and as articulated in the FAR. So, Dottie, to to begin, why does the government allow their people to talk to vendors prior to issuing public solicitations?
2: That is a great question. Talking to industry early and often allows the government to get a better idea of what is currently commercially available. Experience has shown that if the government doesn't have a good understanding of what is available, they can make some pretty big planning errors that could lead to protests, less competition, and often higher prices.
1: So although the government allows employees to talk to vendors, it feels like the government doesn't want to talk to us. They don't respond to our emails or calls. Why is that?
2: Shirley, I have heard that from so many industry partners. And it isn't that the government doesn't want to talk to you or doesn't want to respond, but often the cases, the information provided isn't relevant to the contracting specialist or contracting officer. In some cases, it can be information overload. You see, the FAR allows the government to have conversations with industry to get a better understanding of what is available and how much it costs. This helps the government to develop their independent government estimate and truly define and redefine their requirements. However, just like the industry, the government has deadlines that they have to meet to get funding obligated before it expires, solicitations on the streets, and contracts awarded in order to keep the mission of the agency moving forward. We do like receiving information from industry, it really needs to be relevant to what we are procuring at the moment or within our current budget.
1: There seems to be wide differences among contracting officers.
2: Some contracting officers are not very comfortable talking to industry. Some contracting professionals are new or have had bad experiences on previous procurements. In some cases, contracting officers have been protested by industry for perceived unfair competitive advantages, which could stop or delay a procurement. To avoid this from happening, contracting officers are more risk-adverse, meaning they will release information to all possible vendors at the same time to avoid any concerns.
1: Despite the reservations of some contracting officers, tell us what the FAR actually encourages.
2: The FAR does encourage effective communication between government and industry. It is important to understand the opening chapter of the FAR. It acknowledges that fairness and openness cannot exist without open communication. In 2011, OFPP put out MythBuster memos to help educate government and industry on the benefits of early and frequent exchanges prior to the solicitations. In FAR Part 10 and 15, the government is instructed on when and how to have meaningful communications with their industry partners. The 2011 OFPP memos state that one-on-one meetings between government and industry are lawful. They lower the probability of protest, allows the contractor to provide valuable information to the program and contracting personnel. And that broad participation, meaning reaching out to businesses of all sizes, is encouraged.
1: Dottie, if you recall, even after updating the FAR and issuing the myth-busting memos, that adoption of these practices by contracting offices was slow.
2: Surely you are right. So another important clarification on pre-solicitation communication with vendors was put out five years in 2016 in the National Defense Authorization Act which required the FAR Council to clarify the regulations and encourage government to have productive, lawful exchanges with industry and restated that one-on-one meetings are lawful and necessary to promote innovation within the government. These regulations in support of the laws passed by Congress require the government in the FAR Part 10 to conduct market research as part of the acquisition planning process. Exchanges with program and contracting are more productive than just looking at general marketing materials or browsing websites, which is what some government officials do.
1: Okay, so knowing there is intent by the government to interact with industry prior to issuing solicitations, let's take a look now at the framework, the who, when, what, and how for successful communications, so we as vendors can be assured we're doing it correctly. Many people are involved in pre-solicitation communications, such as the government contractors, end users, requirements analysts and program personnel, contracting office folks, which include the contracting officer, contracting specialists, contracting office representatives, contracting office technical representatives, support personnel, and agency small business representatives. As to when these communications can take place, They may begin even before a requirement is officially identified, all the way through receipt of proposals. If you have a product or service an agency may benefit from, you may and are encouraged to talk to them about it, even if the government has not officially released a requirement for that product or service. Educating government personnel on innovations that serve the public good is a good thing. Planting seeds is a good thing. However, once an RFP has been released, the communication is public, meaning that all questions from vendors and their answers from government personnel are posted for everyone to see, even those vendors who are not considered an interested party. But until the RFP is released, one-on-one communications between government and industry are ethical and legal. So that was the who and the when. Let's discuss what can be discussed during the pre-solicitation process. Those are contract type, so will it be a firm fixed price or a cost-plus contract? Contract strategy for award, will it be a single versus a multi-award? One-year contract, three-year, set-aside, full and open? Where will it be advertised? FBO, GSA, or another contract vehicle? The schedule for the procurement can be discussed. When will the RFI or their source salt notification come out? When will the RFP be issued? How long will vendors have to respond? Those are typical topics of conversation. Through early communications, what might in the private sector be termed brainstorming sessions, the government defines a requirement to their vendor community and the vendors respond with opinions on the challenges, possible solutions, and cost estimates. This informs the government on vendors' capabilities, which in turn can be used in the solicitation when it is issued. These types of communications have been happening for many decades between government agencies and large, deeply entrenched contractors, but we encourage small businesses to do the same small businesses can have significant value propositions to offer the federal government.
2: I want to clarify that the specifics of a statement of work or performance work statement that is not advertised as a draft cannot be discussed with industry. If this is a new requirement, however, as the government develops the requirements, industry is invited to educate the government on their innovations and solutions to help the government gain a better understanding of what is available in the vendor community.
1: Thanks for that clarification, Dottie. However, if you're interested in a recompete, the statement of work is public. You will have to go back to the original solicitation for the last time the acquisition occurred, or you can FOIA the contract. That's the Freedom of Information Act. You can FOIA the contract to find that out. Dottie, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about additional topics that can be discussed with the government prior to a solicitation being issued. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Today's discussion is brought to you by Scale to Market, and your host is Shirley Collier. Utilizing the proprietary Davey Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to achieve profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to obtain your copy of the Davie Growth Framework. Growth Masters Federal is a nationwide community of growth oriented government contractors, their owners and executive teams, and the professionals who support them. The mission is to share experiences and discuss timely topics on planning and executing the most effective growth strategies in the complex, highly regulated, but opportunity rich federal marketplace. And now back to our podcast on how to shape federal procurements by communicating directly with target agencies and contracting officers, featuring Dottie Romo, former government contracting officer and now CEO of KD8 Consulting.
1: Welcome back. We're speaking with Dottie Romo about pre solicitation communications. A few other things that can be discussed prior to a solicitation are data rights, which is frequently discussed by vendors with the government, especially in the IT industry. An input or feedback on the procurement process itself may be the topic of discussion. Sometimes the government desires to get feedback on the upcoming proposal's instructions that are published by the government in draft form. The government is notorious, from the vendor's perspective, (laughs) for giving obtuse instructions that only people inside that specific branch of government can possibly understand. This isn't because they enjoy being obtuse, but they have read the instructions over and over again, and they understand what they're looking for. Unfortunately, it isn't always clear to industry. Obtaining relevant feedback, especially from new bidders, can be very helpful to the government so they in turn can clarify instructions to all bidders. Contractors can also advise the government on what supporting documentation would be helpful to the vendor community to produce an accurate bid. And of course, there are a plethora of other concerns the contracting community may have about any upcoming procurement, ranging from personnel qualifications, to set-aside and teaming requirements, these are all legitimate pre-solicitation communications. Okay, so now that we know generally what can be discussed prior to the issuance of a solicitation, Dottie, let's talk about how to sell innovation to the government. These may be products or services that the government has never purchased before.
2: Sure. In some cases, As in the private sector, government agencies are unaware that they have a requirement for a specific capability until they've been educated about its availability and benefits. This is a little different than our earlier conversation about receiving information from industry that is not relevant or within budget. Innovation is unique in its application and the value that it offers to your government buyer. White papers and unsolicited proposals are great ways to educate the government on how your innovative solutions can solve problems, add value, and increase efficiencies and the effectiveness of the agency's mission. Being educated about industry trends, technologies, and innovations is an important part of the government's market research. Typically, this market research is in the form of one-on-one meetings, phone calls, draft RFPs, RFIs, or sources sought notices, industry days, demonstrations, and site visits. Contrary to popular belief, contracting officers are always looking for new ideas and innovation to help their agencies fulfill their missions.
1: So, Dottie, let's role play a few common scenarios and then discuss what went wrong. You're playing the part of the CO or contracting officer, and I'm going to play the part of a contractor. How about you tee this first one up?
2: Sure, Shirley. So, for our first scenario, an RFI has been released for an IT consulting services supporting the PMO. The government is looking to industry to determine who can provide IT consulting services for the PMO offices. The RFI is posted on FBO and is requesting responses from all interested vendors. The RFI specifically has requested IT PMO capabilities, and labor rates for the IT PMO consultant. It is due in one week from posting. What do you do?
1: Okay, so I'm a top notch small IT consulting firm. This is right up my alley. I have a great capability statement that's three pages long and it has all my prices, all my past performance, and all of the agencies that I have supported. I have this nailed. I will respond to the RFI with my capability statement. And once I send this in, I know that the contracting officer will take my call.
2: Well, that is certainly one way to answer (laughs) the mail. The problem is is that you haven't made your response meaningful to the agency putting the RFI out. Your response would most likely get very little attention from me and the program. The reason for this is because over-communication of capabilities that aren't relevant to solving my problem will ultimately be seen as a risk. Your response indicates that you are not familiar with what is required to support an ITPMO because you gave me everything, including the kitchen sink.
1: So this is what I'm thinking as a contractor. I gave you more than what you asked for because I thought it would be beneficial for you to know everything that we do, not just what you're looking for. I'm hoping that you will keep us in mind for this opportunity as well as for other opportunities in the agency.
2: Unfortunately, you are giving me a lot of information to sort through. When time is of the essence, it is critical that I'm able to consolidate the responses received, analyze those responses, and provide feedback based on the information received to the program office. Remember, just as the government is your customer, the program office is my customer. It is important that the information we provide to the program office to make important decisions is clear, concise, and accurate. If I have to figure out what information is important based on all the information received, I may not be able to showcase your strengths as you intended. How can you respond and make it better to me as a CO?
1: Okay, so let's try this again. I'm a top-notch IT consulting firm, and this is right up my alley. But before responding, I research the contracting officer listed in the RFI. I read past solicitations to learn a little more about the agency to determine the type of IT consulting services they really need. My research indicates that the incumbent that was awarded the IT consulting services contract has similar offerings to ours, but ours are different in key areas. I write a three-sentence introduction of who my company is, how long we've been in business, the contract vehicles we are on and to which other agencies we have provided these services. I write a paragraph telling the contracting office about the unique consulting services we provide and the value to them. I tell them about how we solve the problem, save the government money, or mitigated risk. I provide them with our prices for these services and I also, at the bottom of the page, Provide them with a list of other professional services that we offer. My response is a page long and speaks to the agency's needs and how it operates.
2: When the response is received by the CO and the program office, we can see that the services are unique and provide information to help develop or refine the program's requirements. The information provided in the RFI response adds value and clearly indicates that you understand the work, This will communicate to the program office and the CO that you are a low-risk vendor with a high probability of successful performance. In addition, I may reach out to you to learn a little bit more about what you did for those agencies and the results you produced. If Shirley calls again, I am more likely to give her a call back. I am now better able to understand her value to the agency and how to work with her company, I may even direct Shirley to other COs because I know of opportunities in the future where her services may be of value. To give you an idea of what I do after receiving responses to RFIs, I read through the response, develop a consolidated report of all the vendors who responded, and rank them based on how their responses fit within the RFI requirements. Meaning, do they understand the work? Have they done the work? Who have they done the work for? Is that work similar to our work? Do they add any benefits to us that we don't already know about or haven't thought about? Market research plays a key role in determining how a requirement will be set aside and how a requirement can be further developed based on industry's innovation and knowledge. Based on the RFI responses, I feel that I have a great acquisition strategy.
1: Of course, the perfect scenario is that you as a contractor were aware six months ago of the contract that was expiring and you did your research on that solicitation and the incumbent reached out to the CO and prepared your value proposition, including validation for the upcoming recompete. That is our next scenario, how do you tune into agencies' needs and reach out to them before an RFI, SSN, or other pre-solicitation is issued, meaning before the market research phase has begun. In this scenario, I own a help desk software company that I think can help the federal government. My software is different and better than anything else on the market, of course. I'm trying to educate the CEO on my innovation and have managed to get a meeting with the CEO. Thank you for meeting with me, Ms. Romo. I am the president of ABC Help Desk Software Company, and I've researched your agency and see that your IT Help Desk group supports over 50,000 users scattered across the country. We understand this complex requirement and have successfully supported several other agencies to improve customer service and reduce their overall costs.
2: We certainly do have requirements to serve an increasingly more sophisticated IT users in our agency and reduce overall costs.
1: So, Ms. Romo, we are thinking about adding analytics to our software, analytics that allow us to provide more information to you on the nature of the calls coming into the help desk. If we did this, would you buy our software? I believe this new feature could help you reduce time in queue, response time, and improve overall customer satisfaction. I believe that a 30-minute demonstration of this feature would convince you to buy our solution.
2: As the CEO, this is what I'm thinking. I like that the contractor did her homework but it's totally inappropriate for a contractor to ask the government for a commitment from the CEO of certain features and capabilities or services are added to the contractor's offering. How could she have asked this question in a different way that would give her a better understanding of what the government is looking for? And by the way, what you don't want to do is show up and say, what are your requirements? I don't have time to educate you on all of our needs. Let's replay scenario two.
1: Thank you for meeting with me, Ms. Romo. I'm the president of ABC Help Desk Software Company. ABC currently provides predictive workload analysis reports for your sister agency. In providing this service, we noticed that they could really use pinpointed analytics for incoming calls within their existing call center. I wanted to share our capabilities with you because we understand that you currently procure your help desk services from our competitor. Now, they're a great firm, and we're familiar with their offerings. However, we believe that our innovation around call center analytics is unique. We currently support over 75,000 users across the country. Our analytics help our customers to determine how help desk services are being used, how they can be improved, and how to reduce overall costs.
2: We certainly do have requirements to serve an increasingly more sophisticated IT user in our agency, and we are always looking for ways to reduce costs without reducing quality.
1: So, Ms. Romo, if you and your program are interested, we would like to give you a brief demonstration of our unique software features.
2: Well, I would be interested in learning more about your innovative solution. I can see if the program has some time to meet briefly.
1: So what you saw here was a vendor that had done her homework. She knew that the current solution used by the agency was inadequate in solving a problem the government typically has. And her firm provided that solution to another agency successfully. She has past performance, credibility, and is now asking to demonstrate or validate her assertions. Successful contractors understand how to engage legally ethically and openly in pre-solicitation conversations with program and contract officials to better position their company's products and services for acquisition. You can do the same. Dottie, thank you for helping me with today's discussion on this important and often misunderstood topic.
2: Shirley, it was truly my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: This concludes our discussion on pre-solicitation communications. I hope you have picked up a few tidbits on how to ethically and legally shape upcoming federal procurements. If you want to get in touch with Dottie, she can be reached at dotty.romo at kd8consulting.com. That's d-o-t-t-i-e dot r-o-m-o at k-d as in David, number 8, consulting.com. Or you can reach out to us here at Scale to Market and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information on how to grow your business in the federal marketplace, visit our website at scaletomarket.com. That's scale2market.com and subscribe to the Growth Masters Federal channel wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our webinar series on the Scale to Market website and join us again soon for another informative Growth Masters Federal podcast.